The first and greatest commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. But who is me? Let's find out who me is and if this person is worthy of our worship. Stay with us. All right, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. So glad and so thankful that you are here with us uh, and so thankful that we have Brother Hal, our special guest host, here to talk about a new series that we are kicking off and I'm super excited about this series. It's the Ten Commandments and we're gonna hit each of the Ten Commandments one by one, tell you a little bit of background about them, see if they still apply to us today and really kind of paint the full picture of what the Lord was telling Moses way back when in Exodus. So, but before we get started, let's go before the Lord in prayer, asking God to have his will and his way. And if you have a special need, if you have a prayer request, uh, please email those to prayer at mastershouse.org and we will certainly lift up your needs before the Lord, asking God to come in and minister to you. So Brother Hal, if you would, would you take us before the Lord in prayer over this Bible study? Thank you, loving Jesus for the blessing of being able to study your wonderful word. For it enriches our lives. It leads us. It is a guide to our pathway. And we are so thankful for your great love for us to make this available to us in this day. Right at our fingertips, the mighty word of God. Bless every her, everyone that hears it everyone that's tuned in and is listening tonight, that they might be blessed abundantly through this great Bible study. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, so let's get right to it. We have a lot to cover uh, here, and we're going to start with the third commandment. We're going to really hit that one hard and go, go right over it. So, I'm just kidding. We're going to start with the first commandment, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's the greatest commandment. We, and we got to start right at the top. I mean, the Lord came out and told Moses this. So we're going to hit it. And despite what you may know about it, despite like, oh, that's, that's old news, you know, first commandment, whatever, no big deal. It's still important uh, for us today to recognize uh, who this God is. Uh, what's he talking about? What's worshiping him? What's putting another God before him? Are there other gods before him? Yes. Um, all those details we're going to try and cover tonight in 30 or so minutes. So, so anyways, the Ten Commandments really found in, in Exodus 20. Uh, they can be divided into two categories, which pertain to man's relationship with God and then those that deal with man's relationship to uh, his fellow man. And the rest of all the laws of the Pentateuch fit into these two categories. For this reason, you know, Jesus again teaches that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God, while the second like it is to love yourself uh, or love your neighbor as yourself. And then he proceeds to say there in Matthew 22 that all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And in many respects, the laws of all the laws of the Pentateuch are guides to living out these two, these two principles. So let's read it again. Exodus 20, verse 3, first commandment. Here we go. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is the commandment we're going to focus on today. And before we get into um, everything here, let's, we have to back up a verse because we got to define who the me is, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
And so verse two, it says, I am the Lord thy God who have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So in verse two, we have a all caps, uh, L-O-R-D, Lord. And this in the Hebrew is Yahweh. That's the best way to pronounce this uh, name that the Lord is calling himself. He's calling himself Yahweh. Um, the actual, actual uh, letters are, is Y-H-W-H. But the best way to pronounce it um, is Yahweh. That's what most people believe. So uh, here again, we got uh, the word gods is mentioned. And the Hebrew word is Elohim. Uh, and this is just a general word for God. And then before, meaning above or in front of. So nothing above or nothing in front of Yahweh is what he's saying. So simply put, God is telling Moses that you, the Israelites, uh, are not to put anything above uh, the deity, above him, not to worship anything else, not to exalt anything else, not to honor anything else, not to devote your life to anything else but him, Yahweh. You know, it's really very important to pay particular attention to what God is telling them in verse 2. Because God is asking them to recall what he had done for them. And it's so important in maintaining our faith that we do the same thing. And reminding ourselves yeah. of what God has done for us just brings up hope once again and gives us a foundation for our faith that God will do it again. Yeah, amen, amen. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful point. I'm glad you actually brought that out about um, reminding of what God has done. I'm the one that brought you up. So we know now who's talking. It's Yahweh brought him up out of the land of Egypt. And again, why are we talking about this? I'm gonna go back to it and I probably said this already now three times but it is the greatest commandment, right? So, and we must get this right. We must make sure we are worshiping God, God Almighty, yes. right? So Matthew 22, I kind of alluded to this earlier. Let's read it. But when the Pharisees has heard that uh, he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So we're talking all your heart. We're talking all your soul. Talking all your mind is the way in which we fulfill this first commandment. And all your heart, meaning, you know, even my own desires, my own wants, my own needs come secondary. Right? I'm not putting myself above God in any way. That's so important to a relationship with the Lord. Uh, I mean, when we start, all the trouble begins when we start putting ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And what we, when we learn not only just to, to go and sing great songs in church and, and worship, all of that's great good. But we, the challenge is, is to put God first. But Satan is busy. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of things set up in the pathway uh, to trip us up. Uh, he knows man was created to worship. It's, it's in us to worship. But Satan is the one that wants to worship. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And 
even in the verses that we've already read, verse, uh, verse two there, we shall, or verse three, we shall have no other gods before me. So does this imply that there are other gods that we could put before him? And the, the short answer is no, this isn't an admission that there are other gods. Uh, but let's take a look at these other verses here. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with uh, abominations, provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to God whom they knew not, to new gods they came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Yeah, they, uh, they're not gods at all. They're not, but uh, the enemy of our soul has all these disguises, and they are a reflection of... Mm -hmm. of the spiritually evil forces of Satan himself. Uh, clearly, uh, there are spiritual forces in the world. I mean, remember back in Egypt when Moses went before the Pharaoh and he threw down his rod and it became a snake? And guess what? The sorcerers did the same thing. There's power out there. So we need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exactly that's what's being said right here. These other quote unquote gods, lowercase g, are um, evil spiritual um, evil forces. And as we read another verse here in 1 Corinthians 10, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye have any fellowship with devils. You know, this is really no surprise. No surprise at all, because I'm sure we all remember uh, when Jesus went to fast in the wilderness and to pray, guess who shows up? Here is the enemy of our soul, Satan. And guess what he's doing? He says, look, he tells Jesus, it's so hard to comprehend that this actually happened. But here he is saying, hey, if you will worship me, I'll give you all of these things in the world. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a covetousness. He's the father of it, and he pushes that button in people's lives to be coveting things too. But this is a counterfeit spiritual yeah. thing that the enemy does. Yeah, exactly right. These are all, all counterfeits. And then we have another verse here, uh, Revelations 9.20. It says, And the rest of the men which uh, were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, neither, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. So this Old Testament view is that these other gods of the nations are not really gods at all. And in fact, are demons, spiritual evil, evil forces. You know, it's amazing. You know, there's so many other languages in the world, obviously, other than uh, that are beautiful languages other than um, uh, English. And they are so quite dynamic. And they, they uh, one word can have many facets and many meanings. It depends on just how it's used. If Elohim refers to uh, multiple gods, then Yahweh, Elohim, really means Lord of gods. Uh, one of many, right? <laughs> well, I, yeah, we've heard this kind of discussion before. Uh, Elohim um, is a plural form, so that must mean, yeah, Yahweh, Lord of many gods. And um, that's actually not the case. So Elohim is actually a plural noun, 
you know, indicated by the I am at the end. And so we read Deuteronomy 5, 7, thou shalt have no other gods, Elohim, before me. And at other time, it refers to a singular God, as in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's clear in this, in this latter example that even though that the form of the word Elohim is plural, the referent is singular because the verb in which Elohim is used, created, is, is singular in Hebrew. Throughout the Bible, it's clear, very clear, that there's only one almighty God. In the New Testament, it says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know, you can't have two almighty gods. Yeah. Almighty means almighty. Yeah, I, I actually love that comment, and I'll probably forever remember that comment. Almighty means almighty. So this one person that's claiming to be almighty, they are that one. Yeah. And so, so why the plural form? Why, why Elohim? Why the plural form? Um, even though we're kind of getting bogged down in this Elohim, but it's nice to go back to the Hebrew and what was actually said. So the best answer is that it's an honorific plural. That is to say, a plural used to show honor to a singular referent. So, to sum it all up, so then we got Yahweh Elohim does not mean Lord of gods, the one of many, but it means that Yahweh, the personal God, will rule over Israel is the one and the same time the universal God that rules over all. Oh, yes. God has many wonderful virtues and, and, and facets of, of him. I mean, the, the, the fruits of the Spirit are an example. Here's the Spirit of the Lord and how it manifests itself in love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, all of these many beautiful facets. Uh, but there, look, let's look at Judges, the 10th uh, chapter and the 6th verse, and we'll see some examples of these other gods uh, that tripped them up. It says, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served not him. You know, from one standpoint, it's, it's just mind-boggling. How could anyone forsake the one true God that's so full of mercy and love? Yeah, I, um, it, it, it's, un, it's unbelievable how, how they could quickly stray and go and serve these other gods. Remember, we already defined what other gods are. They're actually not gods. Um, they're forces of evil, demons, or nothing basically. So uh, another example here, 1 Kings 11.5. For Solomon went after uh, Astaroth, the goddess of the Zidons, and after Milcom, the, the abomination of the Amorites. And so as I was reading all these, and, and you know, we're talking about the Israelites going after all these strange gods, which aren't gods at all, and forsaking the one true God Almighty, uh, Yahweh, as, we, as his name was then. And you know, why would, they, why would they do this? So, you know, kind of as a side note, Balaam is actually just the plural form of Baal. Uh, we've probably heard that God name of Baal before. 
And it's the prominent Canaanite god, and it's considered to be the, uh, considered to be the storm god, as I was uh, researching this, and, or the bringer of rain. And I thought that was interesting. So, and it makes me wonder if the Israelites, you know, as they were reaping the benefits of this promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, you know, remember they carried the grapes on their shoulders and they were huge grapes and it, it was wonderful. And they get over there and they start conquering the lands and they're reaping all these benefits. And, but remember, they didn't drive out the entire land. And so these people that worship this uh, Balaam or Baal uh, were still there in maybe that influenced the fact that, you know what, I'm reaping all these crops and, and these, all these fruits and these wonderful things because of the storm God, obviously. <laughs> the storm God has brought all these blessings uh, on my life. So, man, you know, maybe I should not start, I should stop serving Yahweh here and I'm going to go over here to, to Baal. And, and maybe think, just kind of a side note here, that blessings in life do not equate to a higher being at work. Mm. They don't equate to it. So it's like, you know, it's, it's just a good trick of Satan to come in there and say, you know what, these are blessings. And so, oh, yeah, I'm going to start following this thing over here because look at all these blessings I'm receiving. That's a good trick of Satan to trick us all up. You know, if one decides to worship the sun and all of a sudden their skin cancer is gone, uh, should they begin worshiping the sun? Hmm. No, I, no. I, I think not. But, but God, is, God is making this a profound statement. He's trying to remind them who he is and what he's done for them because these are miracles and these are real. I guess we can kind of try to a little bit empathize uh, with the Israelites uh, because they did spend 400 years there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> people can give up so quickly and have be distracted by the enemy. I mean, even... Uh, Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. Uh, he's gone 30 days, and they already got this, uh, this gold cow erected out there. So what happened to Moses? I mean, it was so easily distracted. And uh, so what could 400 years do? Uh, uh, could really start moving in, and, and the, the polytheism, that's the study of many gods, uh, and the influence of all of this stuff, uh, no doubt did contribute uh, to what they, well, what they were thinking and what they were doing, the mistakes that they were making. And God, in his love and his mercy, was just sit, was once again send a message to them and remind them, I am your God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, living in, living in Egypt, like you said, 400 years, and Egypt at that time, poly, polytheism, had multiple gods, no doubt, or at least I would imagine that the Israelites living in Goshen there knew about them. Mm. They could probably quote the names of these gods and, um, you know, probably saw worship in practice. And so now we got to Exodus and, okay, God's going to set the record straight and say, hey, there is only one God and that's me. And again, at the name at this time, is Yahweh. And polytheism, you know, was a typical form of religion before the development of the spread of the uh, Abraham religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, uh, which then began to enforce monotheism. You know, Satan knows just the right button to push. And 
He, he knows how to take a little problem and make a big one out of it. The Hebrews saw the prosperity and the wealth and all of the things that you mentioned all around in them. And guess what? They wanted them. They coveted them. And they associated it, like you mentioned, uh, in foolish ignorance. But still, that's what's happening in other religions. And guess what? It's a trap of Satan. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So, uh, so before we get to uh, Exodus 20 and the deliverance of the law, we need to probably step back uh, and look at who this God is that is is called Moses out of um, and, and is speaking to him. So let's go all the way back to Exodus 3, and he says, "Moreover, he said, that I am." Uh, the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So this supreme being here calling on Moses, talking to Moses out of the burning bush, is God Elo Elohim, right? And it's the same Elohim that talked to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is. And, you know, this kind of thing, this circumstance that we're reading about here, this just is really going to stretch your mind when you start thinking about it. In Exodus, the third chapter, continuing with the 13th verse, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto you, the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent thee, has sent me unto you. Basically saying, I am who I am. I exist. I have existed. And I am Elohim, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if we, if we keep reading there in Exodus 3, uh, here, comes, here comes the name of this God. And, and God said, Moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Again, so then who is this God? Um, it is the Lord. Remember, it's all caps right there. This is Yahweh. So every time you see the Lord in all caps there in the Old Testament, this is the sacred name of the God of the Israelites. So, again, rapid, we're, we're keep, we keep circling the same wagon here. That God that we are talking about here is, is Yahweh. That's his name right here that he's revealing unto Moses. And then that's the same name he's using as he delivers the, the Ten Commandments. Then also, another interesting point here in Exodus 6, 2, he says, And God spake unto Moses, and said unto him, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and by the name of God Almighty, by God Almighty and by my name Jehovah, was I not known to them. Jehovah is just a different translation of the same Hebrew word Yahweh. Then another interesting point here back in Genesis uh, chapter 2. We're going way back here, way back Back to Genesis. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day of the Lord God, this, again, Yahweh, made the earth and the heavens. So how we got, 
how we got Yahweh being his name being revealed all the way back in Genesis. Well, we got to remember that Moses is the author of the first five books. And as the Lord God, Yahweh at this time revealed this to Moses, no doubt God's going to, or uh, Moses is going to use that term way back in Genesis because this God is the creator of all things. Well, you know, are we sure there's no other God? Oh, yeah. God, we are sure. God made this abundantly clear. There is none like him. Uh, when, when we think of things that he and he alone has done for the Israelites, think of the things he's done for us. And even during the plagues, think of these things that, that uh, were accounted for in Exodus, the, the eighth chapter and the 10th verse. And he said, tomorrow. Can you imagine God saying, tomorrow? I'm doing something tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That ought to perk up your attention. Tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And then a little further down in Exodus, the 18th chapter, uh, in the 11th verse, uh, Jethro has something to say. And as you recall, Jethro is the father-in-law of Moses, and he's a priest. And uh, after Jethro saw all of the things that, that the Lord did in delivering the Israelites out of Egypt in Exodus 18 and 11, he says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Exactly, exactly right. There is no other God. And it's, a, it's an important concept to um, maintain that there's, there's no one, no one like God Almighty. And yet at this time, it, it's Yahweh. I'm going to read these series of uh, verses here. They all basically say the same thing, that there is none like him. Deuteronomy 4.35, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, and there is none else beside him. Keep that in mind. Deuteronomy 4.39. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, and there is none else. Deuteronomy 6. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of which people, of, of the people which are round about you. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then even the devils get it. Um, James 2.19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And Yahweh at this time, was, is, that name is so sacred. The Israelites uh, weren't even allowed to speak it out loud. And as we go forward and Ju Jesus comes on the scene in John the 8th chapter and the 58th verse, Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. 
<laughs> this had to really hit him in the face like a wet towel walking down the hallway in the dark. What was that about? You know, this fired the Pharisees up big time. And, well, as they were living by their rule books that they made up, they grabbed the stones and they were fixing to stone Jesus. Uh, but you can't call yourself Yahweh, they're saying. You know, this would be blasphemous. And because they couldn't even speak the words, you know. You know, or it was so holy a name, unless you were Yahweh. Then you could say it. This is exactly what Jesus was. And he is God. He is Yahweh manifested in flesh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God didn't send another. He sent himself in fleshly form in the form of of a son. We also read Mark 2, 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. All right. Obviously, this is a lot of red flags going on because the only one that can forgive sins oh, yeah. is Yahweh. And, you know, that's who they've been sacrificing to for all these years, right? So obviously, this would fire up all the Pharisees and everybody around. Everybody's like wondering, well, who is this uh, Jesus? And again, Jesus, he's proclaiming that he has this power. And since there is only one God and there is none like him, the answer is that Jesus, like you said, is God. He is Yahweh. And he be, and there's a lot more other examples we're, we don't even have time to get into, but he stated and displayed all throughout his ministry that he was God. Uh, absolutely. There isn't a God and a junior God. Uh, nor is there a spirit of God and a spirit of Christ. God manifested in flesh. Jesus is God. Emmanuel, God with us, was his name. He is singular in nature. And this is profoundly de demonstrated in the book of Acts. Uh, the thing I like about the book of Acts, it's like a moving picture. You get to see what they did. You know, you, you, it's not just talking about it. Here's what happened. The disciples clearly believed in one and only one God. And what they believe is demonstrated in their actions in the book of Acts. That's why it's called Acts of the Apostles. The things that they did. They declared that Jesus was both Lord and Christ. You know, when you stop and think about it. All, the Bible can't contradict itself. Matthew 28, 19 and Acts 2, 38 must agree. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, before he was <clears throat> ascended into the sky, he says, Go ye therefore, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. Well, when it gets to Acts... Do you think the apostles deliberately, after thinking about it for a few days, I don't think we're going to do what the Lord told us. I, I think we're going to just disobey. When Jesus told everything to them, he was revealing himself in so many ways. And when they told everyone in the sermon that Peter presented that they needed to baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need to be. They're talking about the Lord 
and Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's just one. There is just one. And yeah, that the apostles followed Jesus' command. And we're bringing all this up because we got to follow the very first commandment. There shall have no other gods before me. And who is this God that we keep telling you about? Well, hopefully you, you put two and two together. It, the last name is Jesus. It's Jesus. He is God. He is he is Yahweh. He's the one that we are to put nothing above. And so this brings up another good point in a division in the Christian uh, religion. Uh, we call this division oneness versus Trinity. And uh, certainly due to the instances uh, in the Bible and the church that there is one God. Uh, many times this is brought out. Many times everybody insists, okay. There is one God. Christians who believe in Trinity will always emphatically say that there is one God. But no matter how many times they, they may say this, the concept, right, just from the word Trinity, the concept in our minds who believe in Trinity is three divine beings. But we got to go back. There is only one and there is none like him, even though how many times you may say, oh, you know, it's three in one and three persons in one and so on and so forth. There's none like him. There is only one. And so uh, this amounts to thinking that of gods in these uh, or thinking as there's three gods, regardless of any abstract metaphysical statements about there being one in essence. Uh, and regardless of the continued repeated statement that they are three in one. God is one, and guess what? Jesus is God. Yes. That's a real simple, easy way to put, uh, put it all in perspective and to sum it all up. Using this statement, we then can apply this to every scripture thereafter. There is one God, it is Jesus, and that explains every other scripture thereafter. And again, the whole point of this lesson, we bring this up because this is the first and greatest commandment. I have to get this right. I have to make sure I'm worshiping the one true God of the Bible. And it, it doesn't matter uh, what else is, is uh, people say and, and studies over here or other religions formed over here or denominations over here. There's one God and his name is Jesus. When I get up into heaven, I'm going to see that God and his name is going to be Jesus. Yes, and it's the same God that talked to Moses back in the burning bush. It's the same God that talked to Elijah. It's yes. the same God that manifested himself in the flesh. It's the same God as a man um, praying in the garden. It, the man, uh, Jesus, was the one that hung on the cross and then rose again. And it's the, it, Jesus is the one yes. is, that's coming back and is going to part the eastern skies. Yeah, well, now we know who this God <laughs> Do that was spoken about Do in the first sure? commandment. Oh, yeah, we know for sure. <laughs> Yahweh in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus is his name and there's no other name. Salvation is not happening with anything else but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you, in Arabic, and God, uh, saying God, you might say Allah. And in, in the Western culture, everyone would assume that you're talking about the God of the Muslim religion. Uh, but if you uh, were a native Arabic-speaking Christian, and they say Allah, 
Well, they're probably talking about Yahweh or Jesus, you know. Uh, I am reminded of something that happened when I uh, was a teenager. And uh, 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 I remember I was over in the orchestra area and was praying before the service started. And a lot of people in the congregation were up around the altar praying before service got started. And I was struggling with trying to get my prayers answered and making sure that I include the Father and, and the Son and the Holy Ghost because I wanted my prayers answered and I was just struggling. Finally, I stopped and on the other side of the auditorium, there was a man praying. He was a missionary and he, he had been gassed in the war and so his voice was very raspy and, and, and you distinctly could hear him above everybody else and he was just over there saying, Jesus, Jesus, praying, oh, Jesus. And I began to do the same thing. And that's when the power of God began to move over me. You felt the power of the Lord moving. This is why it's so important to use the word Jesus. It makes it clear to every listener, most importantly, God, <laughs> uh, who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of brings up this concept that I read about called exclusive and inclusive monotheism, right? Again, Jesus, it's important to say the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. That's how important it is. So it, exclusive monotheism, meaning um, uh, there's, there's only one God exists. Uh, other gods either simply do not exist or they're false gods or demons, kind of like we discussed, right? Inclusive monotheism which means all gods are essentially one and the same. And so that it makes little to no difference under which name, uh, and according to which right a, a god or goddess is invoked. So they're really kind of just kind of paint, hey, all everybody around the world, let's just make this inclusive monotheism. You call, you call your god this, you call your god that, and you know we're gonna call our god Jesus. It's all the same. There's only one god up there, right? It's all the same. But no, just a great testimony, great example. It's so important that this God that we put above nothing else, we call him by his name, and his name is Jesus. That name is crucial. And here's what makes worshiping this God so wonderful as we, as we get ready to wrap up. Why is Jesus so wonderful? Why is he someone that I'm going to put above everything, even my own self, I'm not going to serve my own self as a little demigod, you know, I think that I might be. I'm going to serve this Jesus, and why? Why? What has he done? What has he done for you, brother? How? Well, I'm pretty sure all these verses apply to all of us. We all know him, and we all love him, and this is the great God that we are going to worship above uh, everything else. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Well, you know what? Jesus laid down his life yes. for you and I. Praise the no Lord. No other God has done something like that. That's why he is worthy of my worship. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Romans 5, 8, for God commandeth his love toward, toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was a sinner, while I was broken, while I was evil and worshiping either myself or these uh, demons or false gods or pieces of wood, whatever it was, God still loved me. He loved me so much. He loved me from the foundations of the world that he created yes. a plan to come in and save Praise his creation. The Lord. No other God can say something like that. And that's why he is worthy to be put above each and everything. And he has gone to prepare a place for me, which is wonderful in and of itself. And again, that's why I love Amen. this God and Praise nothing shall go before him. That's that's the God. We, that's the first commandment. That's the God we serve. Uh, we hope that this has been a blessing to you. We're going to continue on in the Ten Commandments. We got next week. We got uh, Brother Thomas and all of his guest hosts uh, talking about the second commandment. And uh, you know the difference between the first and second commandments. You know they're they're very similar. The, the first commandment forbids worshiping a false god. We we talked about that. The second commandment forbids worshiping the true God in a false manner. And Brother Thomas is going to explain to all of us what that actually means and, and how we can uh, get tripped up in that. But I hope something that has been said today has been a blessing to you, has been an encouragement to you, has, has strengthened your faith, knowing that Jesus is God and there is nothing that should go before him. He is that special. He is that wonderful. And again, if you have any of those prayer requests, please email those to prayer at matchlesshouse.org and we'll lift up your knees before the Lord asking God to come in and minister. Guess what name we're going to call on? We're going to call on the name of Jesus. Yes. Uh, every prayer request that comes in. So, Brother Howe, if you would, uh, take us before the Lord in prayer of dismissal, calling on that name Jesus for any of these prayer requests that have come in, asking God to bless these words, bless them in our hearts and all those that may watch and listen. Thank you, loving Jesus, for the privilege to talk about you tonight because you are the author of our faith and you are the finisher of our faith and we are going to believe and we're going to make it to the end, Lord, and you are going to be with us. And we thank you, Lord, for that and we hope that every listener tonight has been blessed abundantly by this study because it is a study of truth. It is a study of you, the almighty God. And we thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit that continually just bathes us with your presence. And we pray that you'll just have that presence go out, extend it to every single listener around the world that's listening tonight. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Good night. And God bless.